today on the Tearsheet Podcast. The way we think about measuring for success is, number one, how much value are we providing to our investors? So a number that's far more satisfying to me than dollars raised is dollars returned. Mm-hmm. So we've returned uh, more than $600 million to our clients in that same period of time. Uh, over $100 million is interest. So that's you know, profits and earnings that many of these people would have never had access or the ability to earn outside of Yield Street. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. A few years back, the term crowdfunding was pretty popular in fintech circles. We don't really use that jargon anymore, and many of the biggest players have naturally matured into digital wealth management platforms. Yield Street is one of those platforms. Since inception, investors have deployed over $1 billion in asset classes like real estate, ardent legal finance, and commercial loans. Founder and President Michael Weitz joins me on the podcast to discuss broadly the impact COVID-19 is having on the adoption of fintech and which sectors are positioned to emerge successfully from the crisis. We talk about the evolution of digital wealth management firms in a Zoom world. Michael Weitz is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, Zach. Um, I am Michael Weiss, and I am founder and president of Yield Street. And Yield Street is a digital wealth and investment platform. And we focus on providing access to alternative investments to help generate passive income for the individual investor that exists out there. And we do that because we're on a mission to put people on a road to financial independence. And when you say individual investor out there, that you're talking about a mainstream investor or um, a high net worth? So today and since inception, we have historically focused on accredited investors. Mm-hmm. And that's largely because of the regulatory environment. Our mission long term is to open up our platform and the products that we offer to anybody who's interested in investing. And we will do that over time as the regulatory environment allows us to. Got it. So before we hop into Yield Street, I'm, I'm curious um, about your personal path and sort of the genesis story of, of Yield Street. Can you talk about like where the idea came from, why you were the right person to do it? Sure, would love to. So um, my past has been largely in private credit. So I spent about a decade investing um, across multiple asset classes in the private credit space. And over time, I became frustrated by a few things. Number one, I've long felt that the capital markets were a mess. Good managers spend a significant amount of time raising capital consistently, whereas our primary function in what we enjoy doing and where we thrive is on the investment side generally speaking. And at the same time, I felt um, and learned after speaking with so many individual investors that they too are very frustrated in their inability to source and invest in affordable sizes alongside these strategies. And when you really take a step back and you look at the market, there's trillions of dollars of private credit that is constantly being traded and largely only by the leading institutions in the world. So here you have um, both investors seeking to gain exposure to these returns and these investment strategies, but largely unable to. And you have managers that have a consistent track record of being successful, but yet still find themselves spending more time than they feel they should 
on sourcing and raising that capital. And that led me to believe that you know, at that time in 2015, there is a better way and that technology and education are, as we know, the greatest equalizers. And I wanted to set out to focus on building a digitally native platform that would help both investors and um, originators leverage the technology's capabilities to, to um, use both the investors' demand to gain access to these investments and the originators' expertise to offer that access. And um, that's really how, how I got into this and why. And I became super passionate about the idea that if we leverage the masses, we could help move forward in financial equality by giving people options to truly get on a road for financial independence. Um, now, my background was largely in private credit, but when I met my partner and co-founder, Melind, Melind was the former co-founder of Yodel. So if you think about Yodel's business model, it was all about um, tech ops and understanding the sell cycle and the funnel. And if we married my expertise in investment management and his in technology, um, it really became a very interesting partnership. And that's ultimately um, why we chose to, to do this together and to embark on this mission. So Yield Street kind of emerged at a time where there were a lot of other like, well, we, we don't even use the term anymore, like crowdfunding platforms that emerged. Um, you guys picked up like very different asset classes than, than most of those other platforms. Did that just follow your sort of personal interest or, or why, why choose those asset classes that you have? It's a great question. So um, we chose not just different asset classes, but a very different strategy overall. So most of the other platforms that would even be considered tangential to what we do focused on identifying one strategy, be it real estate or otherwise, and wanted to offer that to their investor base. And based on what I was just talking to you about in our mission to create financial independence and giving people a platform that they can access a diversified portfolio, it doesn't work if you're only solving for one strategy because nobody should responsibly put all their capital into one strategy. And what that means is that, you know, you'd be looking a few years ahead where now we are there and people would have to keep a notebook or a spreadsheet of all the different places that they would invest. And we had a vision of creating one centralized platform where we could go out and access a variety of investment strategies across different asset classes, risk, duration, yield, and manager to help people build a diversified portfolio so that they could ultimately put more money to work in one place. We also chose a different path to doing that, which is using an originator model, where we felt that the one of the really attractive things for investors should be being able to invest what we would say alongside the pros you don't want to go to a platform necessarily that's new and creating new investments. You want to invest in tried and true investments alongside managers that have a long and successful track record and experience. So what we do is source what we hope are leading experts in each of these strategies, and we make those investments available to our clients. So we thought that if you really wanna be investor first, that is the way to go about it, and I would proudly say that, you know, I think our thesis was right. And since 2015, 
our clients have invested more than a billion dollars through Yield Street's platform. So that, that was our approach and it seems to me that it, it was right. That, that makes a lot of sense. And is that one of the KPIs, I guess, how much, how much money has been deployed on the platform? How do you measure success, I guess, as, as a platform itself? I think there's, that's a great question. There's, a, there's different ways to measure success in different conversations. So the way we think about measuring for success is, number one, how much value are we providing to our investors? So a number that's far more satisfying to me than dollars raised is dollars returned. Mm-hmm. So we've returned uh, more than $600 million to our clients in that same period of time. Uh, over a hundred million is interest. So that's, you know, profits and earnings that many of these people would have never had access or the ability to earn outside of Yield Street. So um, some of the other measures of success are dollars raised, um, investor growth, investor demographics, um, adoption, cross-selling opportunities. And uh, of course, as I said, the most important is income generation for those investors and value. Got it. And I guess, you know, as you were planning 2020, uh, COVID-19 wasn't really in the plans at the beginning. Like, how has that impacted um, your business qualitatively, quantitatively? Uh, A lot of interesting learnings Mm -hmm. to start start with the obvious, I would say. so both, both great things and some challenges, of course, um, having COVID show up when you're having, when you're coming off your best growth year with huge plans is not something I wish upon most people, but at the same time, it, you know, any successful entrepreneur knows that there will be those days that come up and you need to be prepared for them and plan for them. But some specific learnings are number one, the adoption of technology and the growth of fintech just moved in my opinion five years ahead Mm. so one question i really enjoyed asking a lot of people the first couple of weeks of COVID was when was the last time you used cash and you know even people like my dad who are like what do you mean i use cash every day i was like no dad but like when did you actually use cash the last time And what that sparked was a realization by even late adopters that they have been forced to adopt all forms of technology with regards to financial management and investments, et cetera, at a pace that they never anticipated because we went fully remote as a society. So that's a really exciting uh, tidbit, I think, not just for Yield Street, but in general for the, you know, the fintech industry and, and tech at large, you look at adoption as a bell curve. You have your early adopters and your sort of normal cohort and your late adopters. And we see everything got, got pushed up significantly. And the way we could measure that is we see both in new user signups as well as activity by current users has both spiked um, outside of the norm and continues to sit at those levels. So that's a much bigger discussion uh, with regards to sort of industry tailwinds that I think uh, a lot of people are starting to notice. Um, The second good news is whenever there's a time in the market of dislocation with traditional capital providers, non-bank lenders win. Mm -hmm. And what happens is um, we end up getting access to better quality borrowers at more attractive terms 
than we had been able to over the last two, three years. So over the past couple of years, there's been so much capital available in the market and the economy had been doing so well and performance across the board was very, very um, positive that the competition continued to get stronger and stronger for sourcing these investments and for pricing them where you may want to have priced them. Whereas now when traditional banks and capital markets have significantly tightened and are not looking to do as much new issuance, those borrowers that you otherwise um, would not be able to attract because the yields were too low or the covenants were not where you wanted them to be are now finding themselves coming to places like Yield Street and their partners to source financing in this time. So that's a, that's a fantastic uh, outcome for us. And I think that we'll continue to benefit from that for the next you know, 18 to 24 months. And you know, more broadly in the non-bank private credit space that I think that'll be the theme. We're seeing a lot of the leading fund managers trying to raise capital now to take advantage of that situation as well. But having a platform where we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of users and we could distribute product um, fairly quickly and easily make us uh, a very strong and formidable force in, in this environment. Um, in less good news, I think, you know, working remote is, uh, is an adjustment for everyone. I think as a company, we've done really well. It's easier for us than it probably is for most, given that we're young and new and digitally native. So we're not dealing with 20-year-old infrastructure. But um, at the same token, a high-growth startup business is very much about collaboration, idea generation. So I look forward to to getting back to the office as soon as possible. Um, On a performance perspective, you know, you'll see a number of clients who are going to need to have a discussion around forbearance or some modification as a result of how the economy fell so sharply and so quickly. But I'll say that largely uh, the portfolio had done better than I had expected it might if COVID, you know, would continue to persist. So a lot of, um, a lot of positive learnings all around. And I would say on balance, COVID has helped us as a business get stronger, get better, get more focused. And one of the things that we made sure to take the time to do was say, if the pipeline you know, in March, April, and May is going to be effectively purged, but for very few, very compelling opportunities, let us use that time to really focus on other areas um, within the company that we could perfect so that when the economy starts thawing and we can start really scaling again, we're in a much stronger and better position. And we did just that. And over the last few weeks, we've done $45 million deals and expect that to double and triple over the next few months. So all in all, I would not wish COVID again, but I think that um, if taken right, it was a great opportunity for people to, to make a lot of positive changes and have a lot of positive learnings in their businesses. That makes a lot of sense. So Michael, I guess, I mean, you spoke about the companies or, or, or the, the entities fundraising. What about the end investor? Has, has your role of, of platform changed um, vis-a-vis the, the, the actually person deploying capital through this crisis I'm talking about? Meaning, has the end investor 
do they relate to you in a different way? Are you, are, are you supporting them in, in, in different, in different formats? Like, is there anything tangibly different face in the, in the, in the customer facing side or the, or the investor facing side of the platform? No, not at all. Uh, I think, um, on the contrary, we sort of double down on who we are and what we do. So unlike, you know, many other businesses, we took a very thoughtful and conservative approach to putting on new investments during COVID, during the, sort of during the depth of, of the pandemic. We made sure to communicate with our user base and explain to them how we're thinking about risk and credit and the, the challenge of understanding real value during a time of a pandemic, which makes it you know, difficult to put out new loans and new investments. Um, I feel that our investors really liked that sense of transparency and sharing our thought process with them. That when we started to do more transactions a few weeks ago, um, we saw a lot of support and a lot of investors continue to come in. And I think that um, what strengthened our customer loyalty during this time is that for the most part, um, our portfolio did well and our investors continue to receive regular payments across many transactions. And the ones that had challenges, we were very um, forthcoming in how we're thinking about working with those borrowers to solve those issues. So all in all, I feel that the investor relationship has strengthened and people appreciate the value of creating a diversified portfolio and that investors really want to participate in what we all believe will be a great opportunity for non-bank lenders and investors in, in, the coming, in the coming year or two. Got it. And Michael, in the remaining time that we have, I know you have uh, an announcement today. Uh, can we talk about that? Sure, absolutely. So um, today we, we broadly announced um, the start of a, a new business unit at Yield Street. It's called Private Business Credit. And private business credit is a strategy at Yield Street where what we are focused on is rebuilding America's small business. And um, we had brought on two people to effectively run that strategy, uh, Larry Curran and Barbara Anderson. Larry and Barbara have uh, been doing what they do for over 30 years now. They're very well known in this space, um, very successful. And um, we had been in, in touch with them for quite a while and thinking about how can Yield Street and its investors participate and benefit from the rebuilding of small businesses. And what we're focusing on is receivable finance, purchase order funding, consumer and commercial credit strategies um, in excess of $3 million. And the reason that we're so excited about that is a couple of things. So number one, Yield Street has done a little bit under 20 transactions, a little shy of $100 million of offerings along this strategy since our inception. And there's been good success and good investor appetite. And we've been thinking about ways to scale that strategy and help our investors get more exposure. And in addition to that, we felt that Given what's going on in the market, a lot of these small businesses, small to medium-sized businesses, are going to need to access liquidity or have a capital provider to continue to grow back to where their businesses have historically been successful. So we're not looking at <clears throat> distressed transactions <clears throat> in this strategy. It's more about finding good businesses with good track records, with good management teams, 
that could benefit from strategic capital and may have a difficulty in sourcing that capital given that the credit markets have tightened up. So for us, um, it's very much in line with our core strategy. It's helping people access more diversification, continue to be on the road to financial independence, and to be part of the story of rebuilding America. Um, and I'm very excited about that. So thanks for asking. My pleasure. Michael, thanks for joining us on the Tier Podcast today. Thank you so much. Have a great day and hope to talk again soon.